Hello, and welcome to the High School Musical Show, where we talk about high school musicals and not high school musical. I am the background cast member with uh, brown foundation smudged across his face to make it seem like he's poor, uh, Andy. And I'm either the love-spurned sad girl or the batshit crazy kleptomaniac, Megan. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Um, Megan, thank you for coming here. Uh, I'm glad that you could be here so that we could discuss your performance. Uh, This is your performance review, as we always do, uh, once a season in this podcast. Um, What do you think your strengths have been so far in this show? Oh, thank you. Such a good question. Um, First, I just want to say I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and to Mm. better myself. Mm. Um, I really feel like my strength is ending the show. Mm, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You mm-hmm. come in and the t- you're the finisher. Yeah, uh, yeah. The- I like to be that that last leg of the marathon um, and really just do the minimal work for the <laughs> maximal gain. We, what, Megan, what, what, what slog of a show are we talking about today? We are talking about the mega musical classic Les Miserables, or Les Mis, as everyone calls it. You sound like a pretentious douchebag yeah. if you say the full name in a bad French accent. If you come up to me and are like, <laughs> if I was like, what? Award-winning musical adaptation won Anne Hathaway and Hugh Jackman Oscars, and you said, Limbis Rab, I would punch you in the throat <laughs> and stomp you into the dirt. Um, Les Miserables was, uh, oh my God, I just did it. Wow, just you did it. just did it. Les Mis, uh, <laughs> was written by Claude Michel Schoenberg, Alan Bobil, and Jean-Marc Nettel, who did the French lyrics, and Herbert Kurtzman, who did the English translation. Um, it first premiered in Paris in 1980, and then made its Broadway debut in 1987, I believe. Les yeah. Mis. We knew it was coming. We knew we would come here eventually. Absolutely. It's... Uh, you know, some some fun facts about the show while mm-hmm. we're in this fun facty fact time. Uh, it is the longest running musical on the West End and the second longest running musical in the world. Uh, after the Fantastics, right? Yep. Wow. Which is wild. Yeah, Les Mis. It is based off of Victor Hugo's 1962 novel of the same name. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel like, okay, I feel like this is what people who aren't in musical theater think musical theater is. Yes. Like, this is just, like, the standard. It's, like... A hundred percent. Big. It's melodramatic. It mm-hmm. has some powerhouse songs. It's also kind of cringy and, like, yep. big, uproarious cast numbers it's it's got it all and this musical is firmly seated in the mega musical era where mm-hmm. everything is bigger and louder and brighter this is very much also like the you know phantom of the opera and right. uh, andrew lloyd webber era so everything is big mm-hmm. we're all about the vocal acrobatics and just pushing people to their limits to tell the story yeah not only limits as in their individual skills but their endurance because yes. this song this God. musical last 
three yeah. hours mm-hmm. long. You're going to have a birthday in between. Actually, <laughs> like oh, God. Megan, do you want to hit mm-hmm. us with the plot summary? I do. Um, and I want to preface this plot summary by saying, as you mentioned, this is adapted from a book by Victor Hugo that's like a thousand fucking pages long. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you just the shortest overview of a plot summary, because if you really want to know the details, pause the episode, go read the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Um, it's three hours of nonstop plot. So mm-hmm. uh, here's the quick version. We are in 19th century France. Jean Valjean, a.k.a. 24601, is a French peasant who has been released from jail after 19 years uh, serving his time because he stole a loaf of bread for his sister's family. And he breaks his parole because of the kindness of this bishop and starts his life anew with the goal of becoming a better person. Uh, The main conflict of the story is Javert, who is a cop that hates Jean Valjean for... Mm, no real reason. No reason. Uh, and torments him throughout the play. And that's essentially the conflict that happens. Also, in the background of all of this is a French Revolution, not the French Revolution, but, but one of a the French Revolution yeah. and a love triangle. And that's pretty much all you need to know. Mm-hmm. It has all of the plot elements that every musical wants, every Broadway show wants to have. It has the like conflict of human nature but also like big political stuff and also this love triangle and also these funny tavern keepers and also street (laughs) urchins and also (laughs) prostitutes like everything yeah if you're looking for a show with a big ensemble you fucking found it my dude oh yeah 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 yeah. this (laughs) this you could cast your entire community in this show and it would keep it afloat for a few months yeah um, yeah, lame is. I, okay, in in the recently Oscar-nominated film Spencer, um, starring mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart, in the very end, she says, I'm, so, I'm, so, uh, let me try to do my Diana. Um, I'm so middle class. I, I love Phantom. I love Les Mis. And I don't know what that means, but I know what that means. <laughs> I feel like there's, like, this, like, within theater and high-class society, there is this prejudice against Les Mis because it is so, like, overwrought. Do you know what yes. I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you feel that? Is that, like, true? Yeah, very much so. And I mean, like, listen, there's obviously a lot of people that love this show and mm-hmm. feel strongly about it. But I, Les Mis, but also kind of the mega musicals in general, tend to get a bad rap from people that want to make themselves feel a little more hoity-toity and like the esteemed theater elite because those were the big musicals that appealed to the masses, right? Like these are the kind of shows where we start hearing like radio singles or songs Mm. where if you're like, like a lot of people have probably heard like the screaming the 24601 or like do you hear the people sing? Like they're just so commonplace that I think sometimes people are like, if it's popular, it can't be good. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that kind of reflects a lot. This show originally was really harshly criticized when it first opened up, Mm -hmm. but people really responded to it in a major way. Like it, 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 uh, 
the the end its songs and its story and its impact have endured well past like anything that I think like compared to Bye Bye Birdie like right this ha- like there is a reason we, we did not know why that show has not been buried underneath twenty pounds of concrete <laughs> but like there's a there's a reason why this show still exists it's yeah a, absolutely yeah. the main conflict is this good versus evil redemption versus like character determinism that like you are what you are kind of conflict between Mm -hmm. Jean Valjean and Javert um which okay it it's there I guess like it's good and but it just I I think it's just like so basic that I don't really respond to it as well as I did when I was like a younger person you know yeah And I will say, this is, like, me jumping off on a little bit of a tangent, Um, but when I was watching, because I watched the Oscar-nominated movie in preparing for this, Mm -hmm. um, the whole time I was watching, like, every time Javert spoke, or, excuse me, sung, because if you didn't know, this is a through-sung musical. It's essentially an opera. Yeah, buckle in, guys. Buckle in. Woof. Um, I was like, I just, I don't care about him like kind of jumping ahead in the story spoiler alert he commits suicide and I was just like "Mm, I don't know that it like affects me all that much because he's just been the antagonist to this really nice guy the whole time and this leads me into why I don't particularly like through sung musicals because a good story has juxtaposition right like Mm -hmm. if everything is important then nothing is important and here's where I can intro we have a fun special guest coming to us in the form of a very well organized email aka my dad because this is his favorite musical so I was reading his notes and he was like it took me a couple of watchings to figure out that Javert was born in a prison too, and that's why he has this thing against Valjean. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? I have also seen this musical a fair number of times, never got that plot point, and that's why I don't like the through-sung musical. In three hours of content, I missed what is a very crucial plot point of getting me to care for this character, mm-hmm. and because I missed it, I didn't care. Yeah, and it's like one line in a song that he sings at the yes. same time, like it's a yes. duet, oh, whatever. Like, how how the fuck am I supposed to catch that? Javert is really interesting because, I mean, he's such a caricature of a bad person because the conflict between him and Valjean is so... I'm sure Victor Hugo is an amazing writer. I would encourage everyone to read some of his work. If you want to read Les Mis, read Les Mis. Like, he was a champion for social causes. And at the time, like the lifelong stigma of having to go to jail was was what it was in this show, I feel like. Mm-hmm. This is a very tr- true to form to that. But, like, as a modern audience, obviously, obviously the American justice system has never done anything wrong and does not mar <laughs> people for life. Um, but there, there, there's, there are contemporary versions of this story. But Javert yeah. the, is built within this show to be so static and so mm-hmm. one thing he has this one big song called stars that is supposed to like explain his thinking or whatever and it doesn't it doesn't yes. tell me a lot about like the the throwaway line you mentioned about him being born in a jail and then stars are all we get into who Javert is mm-hmm. and it doesn't really like allow me to understand why he is so committed to justice and also right. this particular case. Yeah, because I, I think that's 
for me, I think that's a problem in the plot of the show, or at least something that I think could be better in the adaptation. Um, I feel like we're so focused on Jean Valjean's story, which, fair enough, he's very important. But because we spend so little time understanding Javert's motivations, Mm -hmm. I think it makes that whole, uh, like, their whole conflict less important Mm -hmm. or less... I don't know. It doesn't affect me that much just because the whole time I'm like, why are you being such a dick to this guy? Like it just it I don't care enough about him to feel the real tug between what should I do and the moral quandary of what he's going through. Mm -hmm. Um, Underneath Jean Valjean and Javert's conflict are three main kind of sub stories. Yes. Uh, In act one, it is. Uh, the story of Fontaine, mm-hmm. who is this unwed single mother who uh, turns to prostitution to take care of her child, who's being cared for by these corrupt tavern keepers. Um, and then towards the end of Act One, we get this uh, French Revolution college student-led grassroots campaign uh, in Paris uh, several years later. Uh, and then we also have the story of the love affair between Fantine's child, Cosette, who Jean Valjean adopts uh, after Fantine dies. Spoiler alert. Why are we saying spoiler alert? You know we're going <laughs> to talk about this show. You know we're talking about this show. Um, and Cosette falls in love with one of the students in the revolution, Marius, Ugh. and uh, who is also the object of affection from the daughter of those corrupt tavern keepers who raised her, Eponine. Um, and yeah, those are the three main stories that, that kind of shade and color the way that Jean Valjean's conflict kind of plays mm-hmm. out. Um, cause all three of those tie into Hem and Javert's conflict. Yes. Um, which one, which, wh- wh- let's, should we start at the top let's, with Fontaine? Yeah. Let's start at the beginning and work our way through. Yeah. Yeah. So Fontaine works Jean Valjean, after he has, first of all, the prologue is four songs long and yes. takes place in like 12 different locations. And it's yes. the prologue. Jesus Christ. It's wild. Yeah. I'm, granted, they're taking this like 1200 word book and turning it into a three and a half hour musical. So like, I get it. It's mm-hmm. gonna be long, but whatever. After so, yeah. After Jean- I mean, listen. My dad note. My dad's note as well. You know, the look down. Fucking great opening song. Mm-hmm. Like it gets you in there, and then we just take too fucking long to get to the plot. Right, <laughs> we spend right. way too much time exploring Jean Valjean's. What should I do now? Like mm-hmm. my dude, move on. I really think. I mean. I understand that having the storyline with the bishop is important, is really integral to Jean Valjean. I get that. But we could have done it faster. We could have done it so much faster. So In a single faster. song. Mm. One song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep it going. Keep it moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the same melody. We don't need to change. Just go, 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 go. Um, yep. After Jean Valjean kind of has his, like, uh, what have I done moment, d- deciding to be a good person, um, even though he wasn't a bad person to begin with. Um, yep. uh, he becomes mayor. He, like, abandons his identity. He becomes a new person. He becomes mayor of this town and creates a factory. And Fontaine works in this factory. And then a group of women reveal to their foreman, she has a baby and her she's not mm. married, slut, whore. <laughs> 
whore. How long have you been a whore, Anne Hathaway? Um, <laughs> and uh, she gets fired from Jean Valjean's factory because she is a woman of ill repute. Um, and in the so we'd mentioned the the Oscar nominated film that came out in 2014, 2015, um, so, sometime yeah. in that time. Um, uh, which is a fairly good, I think, adaptation as far as like structure and plot wise. Yeah. Um, they change around uh, some order of songs, sometimes to the benefit, sometimes to the fault. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the movie, uh, Fontaine gets fired and then she goes to sell her hair and then her teeth and then her body and mm-hmm. then she sings I Dreamed a Dream. When hope was high and life worth living I dreamed that love would never die I dreamed that God would be forgiving Now, speaking of I Dreamed a Dream, beautiful song. Mm -hmm. I love this song. I'm a big fan of the kind of simple song, especially in a show that's full of acrobatics of like, let's watch every singer sing at the tippy top and the very bottom of their range. Here's a Mm -hmm. beautiful song for an alto that you can sing. Every girl in musical theater has sung the song at least once. But it's so well written. Mm -hmm. And like it it hits you. I don't know. There's something just about like the earnestness of this song. It's also what my dad marked down as a tearjerker moment. Um, <laughs> wow, groundbreaking! <laughs> I dreamed a dream a tearjerker. Did you guys hear? Who it? could have guessed? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's such a good song. It yeah, it is one of the several like highlight songs of of the mm-hmm. show. Probably, I would say like the. Uh, of these, of the songs of the show, you have heard "I Dreamed a Dream." Like yes. it's, it's it's the most famous one. It's and there is. Didn't it like, also become like a radio single at one point? Like uh, some Susan like popular Boyle cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did it for her X Factor cover and or not cover her audition or whatever. Um, and yeah, there is just like this very because it's just Fontaine being like, "Well, my life is shit now. I really hate it now, and it used to be pretty okay, and now it's just horrible." And I dreamed a dream. That I would be just a-okay, and now it's not just, it's just not going to happen. This show is really about, like, Victor Hugo's story is, is, always comes back to, like, society's failure to mm-hmm. be compassionate to people who fall down. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I think that this song is really, really good. It's just a simple reflection of this woman's like fall from grace and i think there's something really powerful about that absolutely Mm -hmm. and fontaine is also an example of one of my favorite things in musical theater um that's uh colloquially known as the princess track aka you have a role where you get maybe 15 minutes of stage time but in that time you get your showstopper moment you get the maximum emotional appeal everyone fucking feels for you and then you get to fuck off for the next two and a half hours and come back for the finale Eponine has that too and they are chef's kiss incredible best roles literally Fontaine is on stage for uh, when she's on stage she's always on stage she like on stage once Um, she's on stage for maybe 10 minutes 
Yeah. Five minutes. She like, sings w- the most popular song of the show. Exactly. She dies and fucks out and then comes back for the finale song. Like, it's right? so. Like, every second weird. she is on that stage, she is the goddamn star. She is epic. There yeah. is no, like, cut for time filler stuff. Ugh. Mm-hmm. We love, we love a princess track. It's a little, like, it's kind of a drag because you just are on stage to suffer. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, aren't we all? <laughs> Fontaine's story uh, dovetails into the Tenardiers, who are the tavern keepers who Fontaine has entrusted to take care of Cazette while she works. Um, while the Tenardiers have told her that, you know, they're taking such good care of Cazette, uh, she is actually being kept in, like, Cinderella. Uh, she, like, sweeps the floors and is kept in rags uh-huh. while they are just, like, living it up with uh, whores and, and liquor and it's just, mm-hmm. they sing Master of the House which is oh, which is quite a song it certainly is a song listen listen I get it I they're not like my favorite plot point either that's one of my dad's notes he's like I don't like them I fast forward through those songs which listen fair enough but hear me out I just want to have the career of Helena Bonham Carter I want to go from being the lady ingenue in a room with a view to the batshit crazy heroines in my 50s. Yeah, yeah. So Madame Tenardier has always called out to me of like, mm, I'm at age One 30 day. years and that role One is mine. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is like, I, I don't love, the Master of the House is just such a like, such a copy-paste song, if that makes yep. sense. Like yeah. there are so many songs so much like it and it just, but I understand why it's there. We yes. have just spent like 30 minutes suffering and dying and crying. We right. need some kind of ridiculous whatever. Yeah. Um, They're there for comedic relief. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the most effective comedic relief, no. but you know, it's definitely uh, an emotional hard shift from mm. where we were. Uh, after uh, that, Jean Valjean has adopted Cazette from the Tenardiers, and we fast forward 20 years to Paris. Um, 20 or 10, I don't give a shit. Who cares? Yeah, Who cares about we, we move forward. We move forward. Um, and we get a look at sort of like the poverty of Paris in the 19th century. Um, get caught up. You know, Jean Valjean and Cazette are living mysteriously in, in Paris. And Cazette has a, like, Romeo and Juliet moment of, like, oh, wow, Ugh. I see you across the street and I'm in Ugh. love with you. I hate it. <laughs> there is no plot point that I despise more than the moment when two characters literally just glance at each other for, like, half a second and are immediately, like, I'm ready to fuck up my entire life for this person. Right. Like, girl, buy a 19th century vibrator, take care of yourself, and move <laughs> the fuck on. I mean... It's Realty. lust, not love. Realty. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so like if someone made long eye contact with me in public, I'd be like, if you follow me home, I'm gonna stab you in your knee and scream fire. Like, yeah, not, like I would have nine one one on speed dial if someone looks at me for longer than five seconds on mass transit. Yeah, it's not, and it's not romantic. Um, but we get introduced to like the student uh, revolution conflict. I really like. This plot point in this kind of story section of the show, I think this is where it gains the most traction. And this is like mm-hmm. what people know Les Mis for is the revolutionary kind of show. Right. And I think there's lots of really good characters, lots of really good songs in there. Uh, but yeah, I just personally can't stand Cosette. 
It's really she's I don't like her. I don't. Why? I can't stand her. I I just I don't know. I don't like heart full of love. Gross. Hate it. Can't stand it. It just it's so sickly sweet and like fake. I don't know. Maybe this is just like my jaded inner cynic coming out and being like love disgusting. I hate it. Okay. I actually really like Kazad. I uh her she admittedly does not get enough like stage time to like be a person other than just like this object of affection for both Jean Valjean as a daughter and Marius as a love interest. But her like little interest in my life is so like there's just something really charming and inquisitive about that. And in I so I for a long period of time I said Les Mis was my favorite book, and so I read the book all the time in high school um, because I was a pretentious person who didn't have friends. Um, <laughs> And in uh, Victor Hugo never said something in five words that he could say in 500. Of course. And when he talks about Cosette coming of age, the chapter is called um, The Rose uh, Realizes It Is a Weapon of War. Um, so, like, her mm. growing up in this nunnery and being kind of an ugly, malnourished child, realizing that, like, oh, I have agency and power because of my beauty and also because I am a good person like people listen to me in ways that they don't listen to other people um I don't know there's something really special about that see I think that's really cool and if we got to see that I think I would be more on board but I think Mm -hmm. you kind of hit the nail on the head of part of why I don't like her is because she doesn't feel like her own person right she just feels like an object that's passed around between male characters to give them reasons to continue their plot line and has like, no real agency in the show. Yeah. She doesn't really have any desire other than to be had by any particular man. Yeah, and I feel point. like that's maybe why I don't like her in the show. Yeah, I get that. That That is totally fair. And I think that, I mean, but granted, if we try to give every named character in the oh, show. Oh, for sure. Like, something's got to get cut when you're pulling from source material this long. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the revolution this is based off of is the June 1832 uh, revolution or the Paris Uprising. Um, and uh, the, Victor Hugo did uh, participate in, in these revolutions. Or I don't know if he participated in, but he was around at that time. Yes. Um, and he was a major figure in Paris, so he he was tangentially involved at, at, at the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the show and in real life, it was based, uh, this revolution uh, was jump-started after uh, Jean-Maximilien Lamarck, uh, wh- who was a member of, parliament and a critic of monarchy and a supporter of the people he died and riots just kind of broke out after his funeral and um kind of jump-started this very i mean in the scope of the french revolution a very brief period of like two days not 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 an extensive point in history mm-hmm. um but uh we get introduced to the Friends of the ABC, which are the kind of main organizers of the revolution. Um, And they are uh, of various degrees of commitment to the revolutionary ideas. Um, Most of the time, they're drinking and making fun of Marius for falling in love, Uh which feels (laughs) weird. (laughs) I don't know. 
maybe it's because I'm in 2022, but it has strong, like, incel vibes. Like, you like a girl? (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard of the revolution? (laughs) She has cooties. Yeah, but they do sing um, Do You Hear the People Sing? Which is another one of the, like, huge powerhouse. If you've heard a song from this musical, you've heard this song. Do you hear the people sing? It's, I think, really emblematic of the kind of revolutionary anthem, even just listening to it, like the steady rhythm and beat that it has. Like it has that very like marching to the drum beat, uh, choral kind of song, right? Like because we have all of these songs where everyone's singing in counterpoint, we have all of these melodies, but this is just we're all singing in unison, same notes, same lines, because it's like the power of the collective, Mm -hmm. which because it is different from all the other songs in that way, I think it sticks out. Yeah. And it has a history of being used used as like a protest political song oh for sure uh, yeah uh, even in modern day like you go to uh, it, which and which is kind of cringy but maybe that's just me like not i just i'm just a cringed person i don't like uh uh I don't know. There's just something very cringy about a flash mob using Do You Hear the People Sing at a political <laughs> protest. It reminds me of during January 6th, there was some uh, uh, liberal commentator who was like, the Democrats could never storm the Capitol. We'd go in there and we'd sing, history have, has its eyes on you from Hamilton. <laughs> and I'm like, lick rust, eat glass. Like, don't, do not do this. I oh. Please, 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 I'm begging you. Um... It's just embarrassing, uh, but it, it. But the song is is really like you cannot listen to it and not be like the people will sing and we will rise and we can fight together. Yeah. Like it, it does the you know with like the drum beat that mm-hmm. kind of like mimics the heartbeat kind of thing of getting yeah. you in there. Like it's an effective song. It is mm-hmm. well written. You can't help but feel on their side. Mm-hmm. We get some. Marius, Cazette, Eponine, Love Triangle stuff. Megan already said that she hate love. I love, I love a heart full of love. I think it's such as if I okay. If you're going to do okay, if you're gonna do a love, tri- okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Megan, I posit this to you. Yes. Of a lung, love tri- triangle. Yes. Would you rather have a uh? Curly, Judd, and Lori, or Marius, Cazette, and Eponine? Oh, God. You know what I want? None of the above. Okay. Stop with the love triangles. Fair, I don't fair, fair, like fair. them. I I just really like the, the, this this storyline. I think, not storyline, but like this song and, and their songs in general. I'm just a romantic. Some of us still have a chance to find love, Megan. And I think that's just I hate enough. it. Um, Eponine is in love with Marius, and Marius is going to fight on the barricade because he believes Cosette has left Paris because Jean Valjean has tricked him into thinking that. And so he's like, I'm going to die because the woman I love is gone. Uh Um, Very Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, very Romeo and Juliet. And Eponine is like, oh, my God, Marius is going to die. I'm going to go save him. Or I'm going to go on the barricade to die with him, essentially. Um, And... She sings a song called On My Own, which 
This song is so good. Like, if it goes like, I love it. I dreamed a dream. Do you hear the people sing on my own? Like, yep. On my own, pretending he's beside me. All alone, I walk with him till morning. Without him, I feel his arms around me. And when I lose my way, I close my eyes and he has found me. It is just her recognizing and reckoning with the fact that she is in love with a man who does not know she exists, essentially. Mm -hmm. And if you are um, a quirky, lanky, single child girl from the West Coast, or God, you can relate, (laughs) or a little sad gay boy from the Deep South, you can. It's just so. It's your anthem. it's, It's so powerful because she just like. It is so unabashedly sad because Eponine's like, I love him so much. It's not hopeful at all. She is yeah. not hoping that he will notice her. She knows he will not. Mm-hmm. But she She's grappling with the reality of the situation. Yeah. And in the show, uh, that comes after the students have already built the barricade and after Eponine has already decided to go to the barricade. In the movie... It happens before all of that. Eponine uh, realizes that Marius is going to go to the barricade to die. And she sings on my own. And then she disguises herself as a boy to go fight on the barricades. Which Mm -hmm. I feel like is one of the changes that makes so much more sense in the movie. I agree. So much more sense. Because I think it makes a lot of sense, especially in the way they staged it in the movie, of having her you know, observe the end of, like, Heart Full of Love. And so she's seeing all of this. And so her reaction to watching him fall in love with someone else is to go and grapple with the fact that he's obviously not in love with her. And to me, that makes the most story sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm on board with that change. Yeah. And structure-wise, starting Act 2 with, like, this... It's a good song, but I would never start Act 2 with it. It's just kind of like... reflective for act two you want something that's more like active and and invigorating yes. and and happening now and not this which is yeah um yeah. but it goes into or comes out of one day more which oh. is the oh, yeah. like if you have to distill musical theater into one song that it represents is song. it is this song because it is every melody that has happened throughout the entire show yep. every character singing their own perspective as they prepare for the revolution one day more I will join these people's And for all of our music theory nerds out there, that dramatic device of having everybody sing their own melody from previous points in the show is called a dramatic quadlibet. Quadlibet? Not sure how to say it. (laughs) (laughs) For Uh, all you theory nerds, Megan is really showing (laughs) off her knowledge. I can speak words in English. Um, But it's essentially using the different melodies in the show uh, in counterpoint. Because we have counterpoint a lot in the show, which is just two different melodies being sung at the same time. Uh, It's 
very common coming from like the operatic tradition and stuff mm-hmm. where it's like you're having a conversation everyone has their own way of speaking uh and so counterpoint is just like you see it a lot especially with um Javert and Jean Valjean. Yeah. They have their own distinct melodies that they sing at each other to show that they are different as opposed to like a duet between Marius and Cosette where they're singing very, very similar things in harmony with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But like I I love that the show does this. This is always like one of the things that gets me and I think it's fun because like, you know, my dad noted he's like, oh, I love that they all sing their own lines and bring it together. And I think it's one of those cool moments where theory and structure can uh, lead to an emotional understanding, mm-hmm. even if you don't understand how or why it's happening. Mm-hmm. We all instinctively know this is everyone singing their theme songs together, and we are watching these stories collide. Mm-hmm. Even if, like, obviously you're not going to be able to understand 12 people singing at the same time, 12 right. different melodies. But when you're sitting in the audience and you're absorbing it all, you can pick pick them out because you've heard mm-hmm. you've heard all of these melodies before. exactly um this is not where new information is coming across we are just no. reaffirming things you already know no yeah um act two eponine either has already sung on my own or is about to sing on my own blah 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 um uh the students are building the barricade there's a little street urchin we've oh, Gavroche. He's there. He was in Act One. We didn't really talk about him. He's just there to be little and cute. And yep. yeah, um, he's there to be every child's actor's uh, first uh, Broadway show. First yeah. Broadway show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you are a fan of Critical Role, Sam Regal uh, <laughs> started his Broadway <laughs> career as Gavroche. Um, that is just for me and Megan. That's just yep. a fun tidbit for us. Um, and then the soldiers attack. Eponine dies. She sings "A Little Fall of Rain" with Marius, which oh. is such a good Love death it. scene. If you it's want to do so a death good. scene, do this one. Yeah, that's the yeah. It's incredible because it's it's the two conflicting ideas. Because Eponine has already made peace with everything in her life, so she is just asking Marius to just hold her, and Marius uh. is like so urgent and like trying to get like help for her and and encourage her to live. And it's just so ah uh, so. This, see, this is the love story I love. Like, yeah. yes, get your man's in that last second, and he's holding you, and he's like, mm. you know, if I could heal your wounds with words of love, ah. Uh. Ah, I this love is, it. Ebony needs to be played by a man so that this can be a gay scene because <laughs> it makes so much sense, Megan. I could so see much that. Sense. It also like it gives me strong uh uh like if you're gonna go out go out in a way that you scar the person you love so deeply that they yeah. will not be able to move on. That's Ever. my goal. I am the epic love Mm -hmm. story with ten minutes of stage time. I'm the dead wife in the first first scene in the movie. Like you will (laughs) not be able to forget about me. Um, The students sing some. I mean, there are a lot of lots of songs here that deserve to be talked about, but like. We're already like forty five minutes. Yeah, into there's this. so many epic deaths, lots of deaths. Mm. Everybody gets a good. Students moment. are drinking and uh, commiserate with each other. Jean Valjean suddenly decides that he likes Marius and wants God to save him from death. Um, Which, like, oh my God, like your your dad may love you, but does he love you enough to carry your lover of thirty seconds through the sewers right, for you? Like right. that's fucking commitment. It's a little weird too. Like I don't like just right. Leave him to die. Jeez. Um, Gavroche dies. All of the student di- students die. Uh, Javert carries a wounded Marius, like Megan said, through the sewers of Paris. Valjean. 
Oh, did I say Javert? Oh my yep. god, there's so many fucking French people. There's, yep. This is more French people than I ever wanted to interact with ever in my <laughs> life. And I have to remember all their names. Um, Javert confronts Valjean with Marius's body in the sewers. Javert lets Valjean go. And Javert is like, conflict, I've never broken the law before. Guess I'll die. And jumps yep. off the bridge into the and river. you're like... All right. Okay. Didn't really care, bitch. <laughs> um, Marius has PTSD. Oh, my God. Empty Chairs and Empty Tables. Yeah. Such a good song. Here they talked of revolution. Here it was they lit the flame. Here they sang about tomorrow. And tomorrow never cared. It's a good song. Another, like, very, like, the male version of I Dreamed a Dream, but way less yes. powerful, I feel like. And I think, I think another example of how a simple song can be very effective, mm-hmm. because we've just seen lots of big chorus numbers, lots of big stage pyrotechnics, and then this is just one man singing a simple song by himself in an empty room. So fucking dramatic because yeah. of the juxtaposition from what we've all just seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, in most adaptations, he, like, they, like, stage the barricades around him where mm-hmm. he was with his friends. And it's just, it's a great time. Oh, so good. Um, but it's all right. PTSD gets cured by love. Um, <laughs> and he and Cosette get married. But then Marius, Valjean, like, reveals that he has this dark past to Marius. And, and so he's like, I have to go. Because I'm going to spoil, like, soil Cosette's purity yeah. and loveliness. And I have to like, go sad oh, boy okay, on whatever. my own somewhere else. Yeah. And then the Tenardias come in and they re- they reveal. Okay. <laughs> I, I did, I'm did. i a bad podcast host and I did not rewatch this musical because I was like, I know this musical. Um, but the Tenardias reveal some information to Marius that gets him to realize Valjean is actually a good person. They they show him the ring. Uh, his ring. Right. Yeah, essentially showing that Valjean was the one who saved him in the sewers. Which I don't know how he gets that information from that, but okay, he does. <laughs> um, Val- Listen, we all recognize we're two hours and fifty minutes into a story, we just and we gotta move. wrap we it just up. Gotta move. They have the audacity to do a wedding feast. Which why the fuck are we doing this? Get us to the end, please. Yep. Um, Valjean dies, and Fantine and Eponine guide him into heaven, and yep. they sing. Do you hear the people sing? Beautiful, <sighs> epic. What a fucking finale. Solid. So, yeah, like. Definitional (sighs) musical Broadway epic. So much, though. So much. Listen, this is going to be a long episode because this is an epic show. And I mean epic in proportion to, like, the length of the show and the plot it contains. Right. Thoughts. Overall. Overall thoughts. Overall thoughts, uh, not my favorite musical, Mm -hmm. uh, but I really like it. And I think it has themes uh, specifically around, like, you know, social justice and movements uh, with all of that still very relevant to today, which we kind of talked about, which is why I think the show perseveres and keeps going. Uh, I think it is the very kind of classic example of musical theater like you said it's what people think of when they think of musicals uh it is my dad's favorite musical so (laughs) i've had to see it a lot because of that (laughs) Uh, yeah i think it is um 
I think every theater kid goes through a phase where they are really into Les Mis because yeah. it is such a musical theater musical. Mm-hmm. Like it is so big, it's so epic. Um, it's 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 hard and it's long. Like yes. uh, the you got the I don't want to say your French ass names again because I barely got it out the first time, but like. Trim the fucking fat. Trim yep. the fat. Trim the fat. Or make, or at least make everything like in six eight time. Like move so fast that like we don't have to give a shit about it. It's but you know it. It's a good show. Yeah, it's a fine show. I agree. Let's uh, everyone take a sigh of relief as we head into Act Two. And welcome back. I hope you had a lovely intermission. Went to the bathroom, got your snacks, made eyes at your crush from I got a glass of wine and uh, some popcorn that supports the Booster Club. Oh, incredible. You know, they're working so hard to make better futures for our children. (laughs) So now we're in the fun second half of the show because one of us did this show. Andy, this was your high school show. It was. It was. Not only was it my high school show, it was my first uh, community theater production, (gasps) I think. Wow. uh, wow, Is this our first community theater show we've talked about? I think it might be. Yeah. Which is, in case you guys aren't, like, within the vibe... A community theater show has a totally different vibe from a high school show. Oh, yeah. Like, it's so much more, like, loosey-goosey and buck wild. So this was the summer after my junior year. And um, I question, when yes. in when you were growing up, did you guys have governor school? No. Okay. That is a, a unique thing to y'all. Okay. Um, so for those of you at home who don't know what governor school is, it is essentially like summer camp for gifted kids that you get nominated for by your teachers. And it's kind of a big, it's more of a big deal for the people who get in. But when you get into the real world, you realize that it's nothing, um, which is a lot of things happen when you're in high school. Correct. Um, And you can get nominated for a bunch of subjects, and then you go in and uh, blah, 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 blah. I got nominated for English and theater, uh, and I went for theater, and I did not get in. So I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with my time? So I auditioned for this community theater show uh, that was doing Les Mis. Um, And me and one of my best friends, Sydney, and then one of our uh, former classmates, Michael Novaro, who I showed you, he was the uh-huh. cute Disney boy. He was also cast in it. Um, so all three of us would carpool every, uh, for rehearsals. Oh, that's um, so cute. Yeah, it was it was a fun time. Um, I, th- because I was going into my senior year and I was like, oh, I'm going to like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, I'm going to be an actor one day. So I should like do more shows than just my high school shows. And Les Mis is a great pick for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... 17. Um, I, Megan, I think you know the answer to this, but I want you to guess who I was cast as in the show. Were you Gavroche? I was 100% Gavroche. I yes. Was a seven- I love that. <laughs> I was a 17-year-old boy. There were children in this show. We Which had is hilarious children, to me. But they were like, you know what? That 17-year-old, let's cast him as the 7-year-old street urchin. <laughs> um, 
It was it was it was a it was a time. I don't understand that choice. <laughs> okay, looking at a photo of me now, I do look seven, so I get the choice. <laughs> um it was fun because there were a lot of kids our age. There were a lot of kids from my high school who who um did the show, so we were oh, all like baby friends. Andy. I know. I look so little, no facial hair. So or little. Yeah. I mean you can see that like the casting was yeah. Was, a, was right. Um, but because it was a community theater show, this was the first show that I had ever done with adults in it. Um, and so I was like, oh, my God, everyone's saying fuck so much. We're not allowed to say this in Chicago <laughs> High School. Um, and you had a lot of everyone was all of the adults were so nice. And they because me and Sydney and Michael had all been stars in uh, uh, the high school productions, we were pretty well known. Like people knew who we are, knew how we performed and, and what mm-hmm. we did. Um, and so they were all very friendly and very complimentary about all the shows we'd been in. Um, but it gave, it was strong, like old man who sang at church and like never really had to learn rhythm or sight reading or Uh any of that jazz and who like his acting choice is loud which you know (laughs) is one thing and it's just yeah it was a wild part this was the first production where like the logistics of doing the show work was kind of difficult because it was like the theater was like an hour from our town. Um, oh wow! Yeah, which like it wasn't distance wise, but it was just like we live in the mountains, so like you gotta yes. drive a lot of places. So it was pretty far. Set the stage for the production. You know, we're in community theater world, but what was it like? Like, what do you? What stands out to you in thinking back on the show? Um, I remember it was so. I did some reading and I uh, realized that the original Broadway production um, got a lot of praise because it was set on a like spinning dais, like they had a, a yeah wheel on, the, on stage. the the turntable stage. Yeah, yeah, a turntable. That's the word I was looking for. Um, and we did the same, but because we're musical, the- we're a community theater show. We had no money, so it was very small. Uh huh. Um, and all okay. I don't understand this character, this production choice, but all of the sets were white except some of them. <laughs> like, okay, the, the barricades were all. Am I being crazy? I don't. Let me look at this picture again. I mean, that background is white. A lot. That background is white in that picture, but then some pieces were not. And I don't know why, like, it did not seem like there was a reason why some pieces were, like, natural wood and some pieces were white. Um, huh, yeah, I feel like that would be a kind of all or nothing choice. Like, either yeah. white is the aesthetic or there's a clear reason to use something else. I kind of like the idea of, like, everything is bare bones white and then it's the red and the black yeah. of like the costumes and all that jazz so it's a very like you know you're suspending your disbelief and you're in the story creating mm-hmm. the story yeah i distinctly remember on the two sides of the stage the man it's been so long since i knew theater stage uh, terminology but like <laughs> the parts the wooden parts of the stage that connected that covered the wings to the walls i don't know yes. if that has a word they were covered with this like um, plastic fake rock wall type thing, 
but oh, like the stucco stuff. Yeah, but like it was just like a a, a sheet, like it, it like a, a plastic sheet. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. And it randomly had faces in it. Like there were human faces in it. What? I don't know why. I I I really don't know why. Um, That's so creepy. That feels like a Doctor Who episode. And it, like it didn't. I I I remember sometimes sitting out there in rehearsal and being like, no, maybe it represents like. Um, you know the people in our past who impact yeah. us, the like our, our the, the community. I don't know, but uh-huh. it really, I don't. I, I everyone was so sweet in this production, but I don't think they were thinking about it that much. Um, <laughs> as far as like cost, it, it was very true to book. All I feel like all the productions I have ever been in have been very like true adaptations of the like. True retellings of like what the story is. Yeah, it wasn't like yeah. major rewrites or anything like that. I feel like this is a hard show to be like we're setting it in the '60s because it is so firmly rooted in like time and place. Right. I yeah. will say, I remember when I was doing this show, I saw photos of a production. I think it was in Atlanta where they set it in modern modern day, and um, Valjean was a black man who had been released from prison. Fontaine was this unemployed black woman um, and uh, the revolution. And this was right around the time as of the uh, not George Floyd, um, the Ferguson protests. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah. they framed the barricades and the student protests around that. And I, I saw pictures of it was like this really compelling. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Tapping into like the themes of what the show's talking yeah, about. More, yeah, yeah, I can see that. More about like what Victor Hugo was writing about than like the the, the actual specifics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. that's cool. Um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. That was not what we did. Um, <laughs> the costume again. The costumes were like community theater. So like for those of you who have never done community theater, you have. You're in the red. You have no money to do uh-huh. anything. Um, and so we borrowed a lot of costumes or they just had a bunch of old, vaguely French looking costumes. And um, I I lucked out by getting this like red revolutionary coat that looked semi-decent that makes it look like I'm kind of a person. I think it's actually... It looks very good. I think it's actually probably a coat from, like, 1776. Uh Um, They just slapped a beret on me and was like, you're French now. (laughs) Um, But as you can see, all of the background characters are just like, we're gonna... We could be in a production of Fiddler on the Roof. We could be in a production of, like, Pirates of Panzans. I don't know. It's like Um, the generic uh, peasant period... I will also say, so Gavroche is only, like, Gavroche for, like, five minutes. Right. Um, Not a princess track kind of guy. But, but, you know, charming and endearing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the rest of Act One, (laughs) this is, I could get canceled for this. And if I do, I deserve it. Um, But they, (laughs) they they had me, um, I want you to guess what they had me do. (laughs) I have no idea. This is the most wild setup I've ever heard to you confessing something. They had me um, rolling around on a, like, rolly pad as a cripple. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 So I... So I was, like, singing, like, at the end of the day, you're always hungry, like, on the path as a cripple. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. So bad. Why? Okay. Why? Why do you, why do you think? Why? 
Uh, a very good question that I don't know the answer this, to. This was twenty like this was twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. It was not that long ago. Like <laughs> why? <laughs> it was like uh and I remember at the time I was like, this is stupid. This is so because <laughs> it doesn't it's like a padded rolling square or whatever. And I have to roll around with my arms. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm like on it with both of my knees, squat down on it, and I had to sing from there for all of Act One. Yeah, that was oh god, that's it, wild. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was wow, bad. Why did they make me do that? <laughs> um, and then when Gav- I like when Gavroche is Gavroche, I like roll on and then I jump off the platform like, ah, here I am now. You saw me before, but now I'm this person. Um, and I had to sing in a Cockney accent, which makes me want to kill myself. I like, why, oh God, why do pe- why did they write these French people to sing in English accents? Right? I hate it so That's much. That's always stuck out as so weird to me. It's like, either don't do it like i recognize that the original production was done in england but when you're doing it in the u.s why are we suddenly singing with british accents so weird like not oh god um i remember i so gavroche dies he's one of the first people to like die on the barricades and it's very tragic um and i remember um my death scene was actually really good I, because I, I don't think yes. I'd ever died on stage before, um, but I was the only person who got shot and made a noise. Everyone else gets Ooh, shot and good. was like, I'm going to silently fall down because it's a musical mm. and I haven't been given a note to like make a noise. I was like, I'm a 12 year old kid and I just got shot. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to sing like I'm shot and I'm going to make an uh sound when I get shot. Uh, like, what are you... Look at you. Andy understands the rules of stage combat. Selling it is in the reaction. Yeah. Yes. It's, just it's like... vocal and physical. Otherwise, it's just going to make... It's going to look like you have diabetes and you your blood sugar got low. Like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. And then, because I'm so small, Arval Jean was, like, in his 50s or whatever. He was, like, this great guy. And, like, huge, tall. Like, si- over six foot. Or maybe I was just very tiny. Um, <laughs> but my the last shot that killed me, I would, like, spin and fall blindly off of the barricade and he would catch me. Um, And I just remember being like, yeah, I got this. I'm an acrobat. I'm a real person. I'm a real actor. Um, The drama. It was, oh, and speaking of, in uh, A Little Fall of Rain, when Eponine Mm -hmm. is dying, um, in the book, okay, in the book, Gavroche is actually Eponine's brother. Um, oh. Yeah, who got who gets abandoned by uh, their their family when they move to Paris, um, and uh, I like really sat with that character point when she was dying, and I would sit there and I would just have full tears running down my face for the entire song. And then I remember the director came up to me and was like, are you all right? And I was like, I am. I'm just a good actor. I'm You're like, I'm doing my fucking job. I'm sorry. Uh, and no one else no one else was crying. I was like, she's dying, everyone. Uh, Cry! I'm sorry. How do you listen to that song and not at least get misty-eyed? Well, when you're surrounded by just like 16-year-olds, it's like, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there were any other big 
things. I like, I, oh, I waved the flag in <gasps> Do You Hear the People Sing and One Day Very More. dramatic. I know. I think it's, oh, and also in the, I think I did in the finale as well. Because I was so small that I could climb up on anything and like, yeah. I'm talking, I was so small at 17. God, why does God hate me? Why was I so, oh God. <laughs> So, you know, we're in community theater land. There's people your age, people older, younger, all of these people. Was there a lot of showmance? Um, so Sydney and Michael, who played Cosette and Marius, um, they ended up dating. Of course. Um, and that was very cute. Loved that. Was very for that. Because um, I got to be like their little son who they would take to rehearsal. Oh, um, love is it real. It was very cute. It was very cute. <laughs> um, I, I don't remember showmances, but there was show drama. <gasps> and I'm going to tell, tell you. I'm going to try to tell you the show drama in a way that is not embarrassing to the people who was involved because this sure, was sure. like yes we can use uh, anonymous names and all that. but even then like they, <laughs> like i'm facebook friends with them they will probably listen to this oh episode. that's fair yeah so yeah. i'm gonna try mm-hmm. to describe it in the vaguest of terms um Love it. our music director was going through some kind of life crisis i don't know what uh-huh. it was i don't want to speculate what it was sure he was just very confrontational with people mm, and mm-hmm. also very sensitive. Um, so he – and when you're working in community theater, no one there is a trained musician or singer or anything right. or performer. At least when you're in high school, like you're doing quiet choir every day. You're doing yeah. theater every day. So you're like in the habit of doing this. Mm-hmm. You know how to read music. You know the basics of rhythm. But when you're like a 50-year-old person and you're like, I'm going to go do a community theater show. That sounds fun. You don't necessarily know all of the stuff and you yeah. and, and and you have to get caught up on that. Um and this show is really, really hard. This show yeah. is hard for professionals to do. It's, um, it's a very, like, vocally technical very, show. Very, And with all of the uh, songs that, like, 12 people are singing at once, you yes. have to be so set in your mm-hmm. own melody. Because it's so easy to get pulled into what someone else is doing. And once one person is off, everyone goes off. Everyone, everyone, yep. everyone yep, yep. goes off. Um, so he would pick on... Not pick on. I don't want to say pick on, but he would get very frustrated with particular people, to the point where like some people would storm off stage, and Damn. like half the director would have to go and talk to them, and they'd be like, "I'm not fucking dealing with this or whatever." Blah 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 blah. Which like honestly, more power to you. You should have quit the first time. Like <laughs> don't like. I, I'm I'm. This is my lesson to everyone out there. If there's a moment when you storm out and you say, "I can't do this anymore," don't, don't. It's not. It's yeah. not worth it. Don't. Trust your instinct. Yeah. Um. It was also hard because we had we so we had um like the fake guns um for the mm-hmm. for the revolution and they would like fire fake fake rounds or whatever not like blank rounds but you know the like show like yes medieval whatever like uh huh yeah. uh huh and we would set those off during like the battle songs or whatever and our music director they like they like upset him or like overwhelmed him stimulus overload so mm-hmm. he would just stop playing when the sounds happened and cover his ears and so then we would have like 30 measures of music that still needed to be played after all the action had happened 
if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, the music is supposed to play throughout the battle through uh-huh. the gunshots, but he would just stop. We would oh. all be dead. And then he would play, you know, 40 bars of, of wow. battle music. And then we would just have to lie on stage dead and nothing would happen. Um, Woof. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. It was not. It was Oof. not good. Um, my my heart goes out to all of you laying on that stage. It was <laughs> thankfully I was already dead, so I was off stage. They they set me on a after after um Gavrash dies. They set me on like a little pad behind a barricade, and someone would pull me off stage, and I'd be like, "Thank guys, um, I'm gonna go, <laughs> I'm gonna go get snacks." Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you guys can have fun. Um, but yeah, it was a stressful time. Not so stressful for me because obviously I didn't really do much. And Gavrash's songs are all like mildly a cappella. Not really, uh-huh. but like they're just sung in a way that like I could do whatever I fucking wanted. Yeah, and it's no very one... speak singy where it, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and all of my songs, I was the only one who was singing. So right. I didn't have to like worry with anyone else. I sang in the group choirs and all that jazz, and be- but because I had done choir stuff, that was all really easy. Yeah. Um, and I know all the adults were very str- like there were lots of smoke breaks happening. There, was a- <laughs> there were lots of smoke breaks happening, which shocked me. I was like, "You're playing Jean Valjean, and you can barely hit the high note and bring him home, and you're smoking. Which, Why are you doing this? Jesus Christ!" All this musical director drama was going on, and then after opening night, which was kind of a shit show, like I said, stopped playing the music during battles. Anytime there was a loud sound on stage, he stopped the music. And that is wild. Like, I mean, valid response. I totally get it. I also do not enjoy loud sounds, but oof. Yeah. And, like, apparent again, I, I did not experience this, but, like, changing tempos uh, that not expressed beforehand. So after opening night, he quit. um, Uh. And we had to call in this woman that uh, the director knew. And she deserves a fucking purple heart because she was like, okay, I got this call at 8 in the morning. Everyone's going to be there at 10 o'clock. And we are going to do this entire show. Um, and she went through every single song and it was like, you guys rehearsed it this way? No, we're doing it this way. And just triaged the entire show and was, wow. and it was, a, it was so, it's like, it was like watching like Albert Einstein decode time and space. It yeah. Was like watching someone do what they're meant to do at their top facility because they were like, this song needs to be a waltz. It needs to move faster. Everyone move faster. Like we're getting through mm-hmm. this. Blah 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 blah. Um you can't sing that? Okay, fine. We're gonna give it to this person. Like not like not mincing words, not being cruel or anything, but just right, being like but just being like here's what needs to happen. The second show starts in four hours and we're all going to be ready. And yeah. I am going to make us that ready. And to her. she was so good. Yeah, I don't I feel so bad. I don't remember her name. But she was so amazing and so good. And I remember at the end we like bought her a gift or something because like the idea to me now as an adult, stepping into a show that is so like in ramshackles and like not functioning on the second night of production like i can't imagine the like strength of will that you need to be able to do that um 
But yeah, besides that, it was like, I mean. Besides that little thing. I mean, yeah, uh, this was good because this was the first show drama where like none of the drama involved me. I just got to sit and watch it. Which is the best kind of drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like didn't impact me at all. None of my songs were impacted. Everyone was going to love me no matter what. So Uh like I didn't really care. Um, But yeah, it was a great, it was it was an okay show. Looking back on it, it was fun to do, but like I don't mm-hmm. have like it's not a show that like stands out in my memory. Um just because like it was like I knew that the show itself was I mean it was community theater level. It yeah. was it wasn't like yeah. amazing. When I was in high school in high school and I was doing those shows, I convinced myself that like oh my god, we're like professional quality. Mm-hmm. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And it didn't help me that like Everyone around me also thought that, and my family thought that, and the community. It is the vibe of the school show that, like, what you are doing is top important. It matters. It is so good. Like, it's every moment is the make or break moment. Community theater is is they still want to do a good job, but it's much more about like, oh, we're gonna have fun. Yes, do like a we're gonna like do something, and it's gonna be cool for the community. We're doing it for the love of doing it, not because we feel like our career is riding on this. Moment. Which honestly, I think we all need to get tap back into. Like yes, that is definitely more of the energy. If 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 more professional actors had the energy about their craft that community theater shows have, I think the industry would be better off. Yeah, definitely yeah. a less toxic place. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> With this show and this experience, what was your takeaway? What did you learn from oh, being wow. in the show? I learned, gosh. This was, like, sort of my first experience with, like, adult dynamics in a show. Mm-hmm. As Like, because, I mean, our theater director or our music director would get into fights with actors during rehearsals. Um, and seeing that dynamic play out um, gave me a lot of insight into, like, how I need to conduct myself as an adult and how mm-hmm. what is appropriate to do as a professional um, and, and the work you need to do to be good because yeah. I I never I I was always the person in the room who cared the most. That was like my defining factor throughout my theater career. I I, I cared about the show more than anyone in, in in the show. And I always wanted to be the most professional. I never wanted to be the problem. I never wanted mm-hmm. to be the squeaky wheel. Um for good and bad. Like obviously that leads to some kind of toxic right. behavior. Um but this show really taught me that like you have to be a grown up and you have to speak out when you need to speak out and but and you also need to just like buckle down and do the work when you need to it also showed me that like it doesn't matter like it's yes. the, the show will happen and even if it's bad you will move on this show mm-hmm. happened it wasn't great but it wasn't bad and i moved on and i think that was the main that's the most important lesson that i learned that like just just do your thing. Trust the process. It will happen. If it's bad, fine. Move on. Yeah. To be able to let it go. Yeah. That's yeah. a huge skill. Yeah. Um, what do do we think? What do we think about this musical by and large? What do we think it says about musicals and high schools and community theaters that they choose this show? I think... Kind of like some of the other shows we've talked about, this is a show that carries a lot of name recognition, like brand recognition. So it's not something that you're going to have to work really hard to sell. 
yeah. people already kind of know what's going on. And so I think that definitely has it going for it. I think as opposed to some of the other shows we've talked about where that was true, this one does have themes that I think are still relevant to mm. a modern audience. I think mm. it still touches on things that are very much present and happening today, uh, especially with like sociopolitical conflicts and just the way we interact with each other and morals and values. Um, and so I think I think it's a valid show to continue to do on a technical level for high schools. Dumb. I think it's can Dumb. be a Yes, this is my ugh. I generally am not a big fan of the mega musical in high school because it rests so fully on the vocal pyrotechnics. Yeah. That I think it can kind of start to tank the show when that can't be met because we all have these expectations for what it should be. Mm -hmm. But I also get where teachers can be coming from of like, there's a lot of different roles that all get their moments. So when you're trying to highlight as many students as you can, there's a lot of ways to do that. Mm -hmm. It's just, I, I don't think high school should do this show because like every high school has like two or three people that they know are stars that yeah. are can act can sing can move this show requires at least like what seven or eight stars at the minimum yeah. and so you are not you are never going to be able to cast everyone at the level that they need to be at a bare minimum like there are so many roles that carry carry huge portions yes. of the show and Almost every 17-year-old is not going to be able to do that. And especially the role of Jean Valjean. Like, yeah. that is a difficult role for adult professional men mm. for play to play. Like, you listen to Hugh Jackman talk about, like, getting ready to play that role, getting ready like he was in the fucking Olympics. Like, yeah. that is not an easy role. And so to put that on the back of some 17-year-old kid is Whose voice hasn't rough. settled. Whose yes. voice hasn't stopped maturing. If it's you... shows like this that make me a little bit worried about people getting vocal damage in yeah. high school. <laughs> if you sang this show as a... Like, you could ruin your voice for the rest of your career career yeah like it's and i know people who like fully fucked up their voices from high school productions and it's generally shows like this and like rent and other things that yeah. require extreme vocal abilities at a time when most people's voices not everybody some people are but most people's voices are not ready to handle that load or they do not have the support to do it in a healthy right. way yeah that's if even if you do have the voice to do that, you're a 17-year-old kid, so you don't have the training to necessarily know when you're doing it right and when you're doing it wrong. Right. So, like, in addition to the vocal spectacle, this show rests so much on the set spectacle that, yes. like, I don't think high schools can do it in a way that isn't, like, embarrassing. And I, like— Unless you are a school with, like, one of those massive budgets because— Which, like, fuck I, you. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> This, I know people who went to those schools. If you're a school, if you're someone who went to a high school with a massive budget, this this podcast is not meant for you. I do not <laughs> go go suck on a silver spoon and like talk to someone who cares. Like it is not. This is this is for pores only. Yeah, this is wanna... for the people who had the one peasant skirt that they used in every show all four years. This is for people who ate lunchables and who yeah. had school lunches and were on the free breakfast program. Not you, motherfuckers. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Overall, 
great, good show, fine show, fine, it's fine. Um, but don't do it if you're in high school. Please don't. Yeah. Um, thank you for listening to this extra long special version of the High School Musical show. Listen, this musical was three and a half hours long. We're not three and a half hours long, so count yourself lucky. You can follow our show at the High School Musical show on Instagram, um, where we will be posting... Thankfully, no photos of me on a rolly pad. But you will get to see his very cute gavrash. Very cute little red red coat with clean-shaven face. Yeah, anything you want to plug, Megan? Uh, go follow at Only the Best Birds on Instagram. You're home for no longer daily, but occasional funny <laughs> bird facts. Are you, is it at least like a regular schedule, like weekly? No, it's oh. whenever I feel like it. Okay. <laughs> Um, really, really, really taking those um, social media classes and, and making them shine. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. So I do it when it when I find enjoyment out of it. Okay. You know what? I I'm I'm cool with that. I like that. Um, now, uh, about to sing fully, uh, entirely, um, in a Cockney accent, mm-hmm. uh, in twelve dear, different melodies at the same time, but also uproariously uplifting. Uh, Megan, uh, close us with uh, the High School Musical show's official version of "Do You Hear the People Sing." <clears throat> the end. Mm-hmm.